Hi, are you looking to invest in property but unsure how to start? Or struggling to find the right property in the right location? Are you thinking how to manage refurbishment as you do not have enough experience and no time to do it? We can help. Welcome to Nestino Property Investment Services. We will build a smart and rewarding property portfolio for you. With us, you can own a property in the UK for just £30,000 and start enjoying high rental returns quickly. Our property experts will find the perfect investment grade property and we will hold your hand in every step. If you are serious about embarking on a journey with property investment that could set you financially free in the due course, we will be more than happy to talk to you. Please visit our website www.nestino.com and you can schedule a no obligation meeting with one of our property specialists. We are looking forward to working with you. So that's about with us. Sorry about that, that glitch with uh, video sharing, uh, learning every day. So a little bit introduction about the team. So we are, have three co-founders. Um, I'm Ranjan Majumdar and I've been actively involved in property since 2015. Um, started nesting around 2017. I live in Oppington and I have um, my partners, uh, Mr. Sudipto Das. He's coming from a construction management background and experience of uh, managing his product family portfolio of a large bioclet properties and he lives in Bromley, Kent. And we have Rajib uh, who uh, lives in Manchester and looks after our northern operations and he is highly experienced in buying and managing investment properties. So I'll just um, let uh, Sudipto and uh, Rajib say hi to everyone and then we'll go back to our original. Oh, sorry, there was echo. Sorry about that echo. So that's that. So Rajiv, I think if you can uh, say hello to everyone. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, myself, Rajiv, uh, I live in Manchester and I joined the team um, a couple of months back. So when we started and I look after the northeast part and the entire Manchester uh, properties business with Ranjan and Selepta. Thank you, Rajib. Um, and we have uh, our extended team members. We have a team of lettings. Um, we have accountants um, who help our customers. We have uh, a panel of mortgage provide lenders. Uh, so not lenders, mortgage advisors who advise our clients about uh, the finances. And there's a conveyancing team and our architects and the construction and property development team that works with us. So without saying more, we are regulated and a member of uh, property ombudsman services um, in our national landlord associations, uh, BNI and uh, information commission's office and a member of FSB as well as Facebook's small business. So um, our guest speaker today is Sheena Parker and you probably a little bit know about or know about her already about that. So um, Sheena is a veteran of investment banking, having almost 20 years of experience in this sector. 
and she's here today to show you some of these strategies how it looks like um so she she now works in partnership with nestina and uh, the red latest and that's Sheena represents solely uh, St. James's Place Wealth Management PLC and authorized and regulated by FCA. Um, so uh, so we, we are in this session because we hear questions from our customers which about how to get advice of uh, financial advice, taxations, how to manage their structures, which we are not qualified enough to do it. So we invited Sheena to help our customers and give us some um, ideas and show them something which can help them in their uh, property investment journey. So with that, I will hand it over to Sheena. So Sheena, if you please, and it's all over to you now. Really, would you be able to make me a co-host? Oh, you have already. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Hello, everyone. So let's see if I can't get my tech right, which is never my strong point, but hopefully. Oops, hang a sec. Can everyone now see a presentation that says getting more from property investment? Can you put your thumb up if you can see today's agenda? Brilliant, thank you. <laughs> right, okay, hi everyone. <laughs> okay, thanks for inviting me today. Um, and thanks so much Ranjan and Sandeepjo for setting this up. Um, so I feel a little bit on my back foot because this started off as a really innocent Zoom chat um, with uh, Ranjan about ooh, four, six weeks ago. And we were just talking about our mutual kind of opinions on property. And I started talking about the financial markets. And before I knew it, I'd agreed to present to you lot on a Thursday night. So um, I'm hoping that we were both paying attention to that conversation for the next 20 minutes is going to be a little bit awkward. Um, so hopefully you all know why you're here today, um, but in case you don't, I've put up a little agenda. So I thought it might be worth me just spending a couple of minutes talking about me, um, who I am, my background and why I got to where I am. Um, and then also about St. James's, which is the organisation I'm affiliated with. Um, then I want to really talk about you. Um, and why you're investing in property, um, why you are and why you should be. Um, then some of the challenges facing investors today, and then it wouldn't be a webinar that anyone wanted to attend if I then didn't then give you some solutions to some of those problems. And then hopefully, if I've got my timings right, we'll have time for some Q&A at the end, okay? So um, kicking off with me, um, so uh, yeah, Ranjan's already introduced me. So yes, and I spent 20 odd years in investment markets. Um, I worked in some of the largest investment banks um, in the world, actually. Uh, I spent most of my career at JP Morgan, did a chunk at Credit Suisse and a chunk at RBS as well, most recently. So um, I'm pretty heavy on the investment side. But alongside that, I've also had a couple of other things going on. Um, I took some sabbaticals, I traveled the world, um, I had three kids, um, and I also ran my own property portfolio. So the first one is, um, well, I ran two, the first one's mine. Um, and I started investing pretty much the day I graduated uni, actually. And that's been a sort of slow and steady rise over the last 20 odd years. And the second one belonged to my father. Um, and dad started investing back in 1987. And I got involved with the company in 2012, because unfortunately, he got quite sick. 
Um, and so by that point, I was looking at a company that had 35 years of experience, growth, assets, capital, and problems. And those problems are really kind of why I'm here today. Um, and the problems were pretty bad, actually. Um, so I'll take you through some of those. Um, so I had a choice. I could either let dad's entire, essentially his legacy, go into bankruptcy, or I could try and do something about it. And I opted for plan B. So I quit my day job and became a full-time property manager. It took me a couple of years, um, but we managed to unravel and got the company straight. And then eventually we sold it off. So um, essentially the reason I'm kind of telling you that is because that 24 months gave me this really good case study um, in my mind of what when property investors focus on what they know and what they're comfortable with, which is investing in property, and they take their eye off the why. Why are they doing it? Okay, so, right, so basically what I got was a case study. If you take your eye off the why, you'll end up focusing on what you're good at, um and um basically not maybe meeting your objectives and, and that's exactly what happened with my dad so by the time i inherited the company he was almost bankrupt um and he found himself in a situation um where if you'd asked dad what his why was he would have said do you know what i want security i'm not investing in stocks and shares because i don't understand them um you can't see and touch them you know i feel much safer with bricks and mortar he would have said, I want an income for the rest of his life. So uh, essentially a pension income, right? Um, this one was very unique to him, well, very specific to him, but it's not unique, is he would say never, ever selling. You buy and you hold, right? Um, so he was quite clear that everything he'd accumulated today was going to look after him until the day he died, and then it was going to go on, and um, it was going to look after his children and his children's children and his children's children children's children's children okay um, and then the last one probably this didn't really kick in until he was really into his late 70s but he wanted an easy life he wanted to go around he wanted to see his tenants he wasn't looking to buy more property at that point you know and he just wanted to enjoy the fruits of his labor okay um what he actually got were huge cash flow problems um to the point that they almost bankrupted him um he had a pension income that was completely sporadic um, he had a few uh, really rough patches. Um, 2008, he rode out reasonably well, but weirdly, the 2012 blip almost pulled him to his knees. Um, uh, and then um, after he died, we ended up with an eye-watering IHT bill that pretty much forced me to sell, which is the one thing he really didn't want, well over half of his assets. And I sold them in a fire sale. I didn't get to shop around. I didn't have time to do up the properties that needed work, window dress them. It was very much a case of, you know, sell them because we need the cash. So I think we can safely say that dad didn't achieve his why. Um, and I'll tell you, he's not unique. Since I've been in the investment and the advisory game, I've had countless people come and see me in a really similar situation. Okay. I'll be honest, when it happened to us, I was utterly, utterly furious. I spent a, real, a lot of time angry because we weren't on our own. We had accountants, we had lawyers, we had business managers, we had financial advisors. It felt like every week I was getting an invoice from somebody um, who was supposedly giving us advice. And I couldn't understand how we got ourselves in this situation with all of those people um, supposedly around us. And then I realized the answer is because they didn't know. And this is the interesting bit. You've got to remember that this retail property investment phenomenon is relatively new. 
it really only started in the late 1990s when the buy to let mortgage market opened up, right? So all of those hundreds of thousands of people out there who have invested in property for their pension to build a legacy, to leave something for the wife and kids, yeah, moment for most of them, it's hypothetical. Yeah, they haven't actually put this into practice yet. So my dad was a bit ahead of the curve um, and there's more and more people who are catching up with him, but, um, and that's why, right? So that's the doom and gloom side of it. Flip side of that is, I don't know how many of you on the call have ever looked at people who were investing in the 2000s and gone, you lucky buggers. If only, if only I could have bought a flat in Islington back when it, you know, it was the same price as three pints and a packet of peanuts, you know, oh my God, I would have made so much money. And you're right, it, they were, they were incredibly fortunate and they were in the right place at the right time. As a small consolation, I can tell you that the vast majority of them haven't structured their portfolios correctly, right? And what that means is at the least, they probably, however much money they made, they could certainly have been making considerably more. And at the bad end of that spectrum, there's a strong possibility that they're either in for a nasty surprise or a lot of the people I've spoken to now feel trapped. Um, they know they're not structured correctly. They know that their assets don't align with their why, with their objective, and they're not quite sure how to undo it. So the one opportunity that our new investors today have is to get your structure right so you don't find yourself in this problem in 20 or 30 years time and that's broadly why i'm here so i'll give you a few examples of how you can do that okay so um okay so so that's me so that's my background um i should sort of add that i left investment banking about two to three years ago retrained as a financial advisor and now essentially I help sort of individuals manage their money. And a large part of that is helping people structure their, their holistic finances in a way that um, basically meets their objectives. Okay, So that's me and that's me, quite small. Um, and then here's St. James's Place. So I don't work for St. James's. Um, I run my own company but I'm what you call an appointed representative of them, which means I've chosen to partner with them, which means I've got access to their products and services and only their products and services. So everything you need to know about St. James's is on the slide. Um, and the thing you should really take away is that they're absolutely huge, right? FTSE 100 company, actually that number's wrong. It's about 130 billion of assets under management now. They're the largest ISA provider in the UK, you know, by dealing with me through St. James's, or St. James's through me, I should say, um, you've got all of that kind of security um, sitting behind you. Okay. So moving on. Before we get started, I think it's important if you can all just take a moment and just answer a few questions for me. Um, so, um, right, um, kind of, <laughs> there's a reason why I give people my history and and the reason is is that I think there's a um because basically what I'm going to talk about for the next 30 minutes is not property it's actually very much the investment markets and that goes down generally like a cold cup of sick when I'm talking to property investors because we all know right you're one or the other you're either you know property versus pension which camp do you sit in and I'm kind of going to say that that's a little bit hooey and it's it's very outdated in today's world yeah. Um, and what happens is people play to the, it plays to people's comfort zones. So property is complicated. The investment markets are complicated. If anyone's taken the time and the effort to understand that at their camp, 
Yeah. They don't always have the bandwidth to understand the other person's camp. And so it's easier to say, do you know what, your camp's rubbish, I'm not going to come and play in it, than it is to spend a little bit of time peeking over the fence and, and seeing what toys the other kids are playing with. Right. So this false sort of phony war between pensions and property, I have no time for at all. Um, and I don't say this because I spent 20 years in investment markets. I, I, I have my own property portfolio. I genuinely believe that there are pros and cons of both sides that can be ironed out if, if you just kind of play and, and meld the two together. And I'll give you a few examples of how that works as we go through. OK, so um, right before we get started. So a few questions. Um, first three, it'd be interesting to know how long everyone's been doing this for. So maybe if you want to pop that in the chat, just tell me, um, I don't know, have you, how long have you been investing for? Would you consider yourself a novice, um, a medium or an experienced investor? The other question, which I don't need an answer to necessarily, um, but is who still has their day job? And then the last one is your average age. I need to understand your day job or not, because a lot of my solutions um, depend on people having the right sort of the right type of income, uh, which we call relevant earnings. And in terms of average age, um, I have a maths degree, so my presentations always end up being quite mathsy. And so any numbers that I throw out, I generally benchmark from the age of 40. So if you're considerably older or considerably younger than that, you might just want to mentally adjust some of the numbers, the example numbers that I'm throwing out. Okay. Okay. And then two more questions. One is what's your objective of investing? And again, I don't need you to shout it out or put it in the chat, but if you can just spend a couple of seconds thinking about it. And I'm looking for something here a little bit more meaningful than to make money. Okay, so it could be, for example, you're looking to build a legacy, you might be looking for a pension, um, security, you might be looking for the income, I, a lot of people are doing it because they want to quit their day job, um, they're looking for financial freedom, whatever it is, have a thing, and obviously it'll probably be more than one of them, but have a think, because that will colour how you see the next few slides I'm going to show you. And then the last one is, who has an exit strategy? And that might seem a strange question to a bunch of people who are looking to buy more property, but at the end of the day, everyone has to have an exit strategy of some way, shape or form. So again, just have a quick think about that, um, which will help you put some context around the next few slides I'm gonna show you. Okay. So the next few slides, uh, the next few slides I'm going to show you, um, essentially the whole kind of um, concept, uh, the lessons I have learned is that, if you take property, which is fabulous, right? From wealth accumulation perspective, it doesn't get much better than that. You pair it with the investment markets. Um, what you can do is balance out some of the pros and cons of property and some of the pros and cons of investment market. And you can end up with this really robust, weatherproof financial plan that can carry you forward and it can actually meet your objectives. Okay, so one of the, I should confess at this point, um, much as I hate the question, property versus pensions, one of the first questions I always ask my clients is how much property versus how much pension would, you know, would you like? And then we build their plans around that. Okay. So, uh, there's a small part of me that always wonders why should you bother, right? If you're good at property and you understand it and you've got your portfolio and you're doing well and you're making money, why bother? And everyone knows someone who's a multimillionaire because they invested in the right property at the right time. Probably know several people who've managed to do it. Okay. So 
one of the reasons I'd say why bother is um, because the world has changed, right? The government doesn't like us anymore. We are not the favorite children. So, and it's not personal, um, but you know, 20 years ago, um, property developers were the golden children of economic policy, right? We were going to sort out um, social housing. We were gonna help, you know, property was gonna redistribute wealth. It was gonna boost productivity, um, improve the housing stock. It was all great. And unfortunately it was a bit too successful. And subsequently governments have realized that allowing a bunch of amateur landlords to get crazy rich at the expense of first time buyers and um, income inequality is not a good plan. And anyone who's been doing this for more than four or five years will be aware that essentially, as a result, HMRC has been dipping quite heavily into the invest property investment markets um, uh, in, in terms of sort of tax grabs, essentially, over the last few years. So I'll just show you a few examples of what some of those regulatory and tax changes look like. So on the tax side, you've obviously got stamp duty surcharge brought in in 2016 little bit less relevant at the moment, but you know, generally sits there. Section 24 was an absolute killer. So the loss of, in, well, the restructuring of income tax relief around financing costs. Same, about the same time we brought in the 10% wear and, we removed the 10% wear and tear allowance. Um, there's no more residence for letting relief, which was worth up to 40,000 pounds. And CGT has to be paid immediately now, um, which for people who are worried about cash flow, that's, that's gonna make a significant difference. On the regulation side, uh, right to rent, EPCs, EICRs, there's a whole bunch of other certificates I could have put in there. And then, of course, the one that causes the most headlines is the loss of Section 21 evictions. Now, regulation is, is a good thing, and a lot of these regulations are actually necessary, um, but they do increase the cost side of the balance sheet. Okay, and then finally, you've got competition. So we all know cash is really cheap at the moment, and fixed income returns are basically diddly squat so what you've got is more and more people hunting out those property deals so um, you've got more competition for cheap prices and the corporates are getting in on the act you know the large investment banks are now running multi-billion pound residential investment funds uh, property in residential property investment funds um, so there's just more competition out there so whilst can you still make money in property absolutely do you need to be smarter about it Absolutely. Um, and I think you probably need to take every opportunity you can get your hands on, would be my view on it. So, um, okay, so what can you do about it? All right, so the first thing you do about it is you keep buying property, okay, because property is brilliant. And if you like it, you understand it, you can see the income, you can see the benefits of it. Not something being taxed is not a reason not to do it. But you maybe just do it in a different way, okay? Um, I'm gonna assume that you've already done the, um, the more obvious stuff. So you'll all have good accountants who will help you man uh, manage your expenses. You will um, possibly have diverted into a limited company, if it makes sense. You will have restructured your financing. You will have restructured your portfolio, maybe gifted some of it to your spouse, your kids, your great aunt Alice, whatever makes sense. All of those things, great, and absolutely should do them, but they will only get you so far, okay? If you get to the end of that, you still have what feels like a punitive um, income tax situation, it's probably time to start looking a little bit further afield, okay? So, um, in that, with that in mind, two investment products come to mind. 
So the first one's pensions, which I feel are commonly understood, possibly misunderstood, but you know, I think generally everyone's comfortable with the concept of a pension. Um, there is a dizzying number of providers. Um, there are even more potential funds out there. And I think it's safe to say that give or take, there is probably a pension fund strategy out there for pretty much everyone who's got some money to invest. At the other end of the spectrum, completely different set of products that also offer income tax relief are SEISs, EISs and VCTs. So seed enterprise investment schemes, um, venture capitalist trusts, right? These are not for everyone. They're totally fabulous products. Um, the tax advantages of them can be staggering. Um, they're really interesting, um, but I, not just me, I think it'd be safely argued that they're far more niche and probably for a higher net wealth, um, more sophisticated investor. For that reason today, I'm not going to talk about SEIS and VCTs. Um, I have a bunch of literature on this stuff. So if anyone feels that's something they're interested in, um, feel free to drop me a note afterwards. I can talk about these until the cows come home. But for the rest of the talk today, I'm gonna to talk about pensions, okay? So question is, how do pensions help? Um, so what they basically do is they reduce your taxable income. So every time you make a payment into a pension, it reduces your taxable income. And that de facto reduces your income tax liability, okay? From a wealth accumulation perspective, there's once money is in a pension, it grows tax efficiently, it's virtually tax free, yeah? And so what that means is that you can accumulate net wealth faster, right? And for a lot of people, that means that you can get to debt-free property ownership more quickly, yeah? And medial net balance sheet grows faster, yeah? And finally, cash flow. So we all know cash is king, and particularly for people out there who are investing but are looking to attract investors to join them, yeah, you'll know that you need to offer them a rate of return. So you should remember that a 10% taxable rate of return to an investor is actually only worth somewhere between five and 6% to a higher rate taxpayer, depending on their situation. Yeah. If you can help them package up the 10% taxable return that you're going to give them with an investment product off the back end that allows them to keep it holistically gross, yeah, all of a sudden you should find that getting cash just becomes a little bit easier. Yeah. And that, as we know, cash leads to opportunities. Okay. Just show you what that looks like. Okay. So quick worked example. On the employment side, you've got employment, let's say you've got a client and he's earning uh, £50,000 and he's making £10,000 in gross rental income. I'm just ignoring expenses for the purposes of the um, example. And he's got mortgage interest at five grand. So his actual income is 55,000, yeah. From the government's perspective, because they now ignore mortgage interest the first time around, um, his actual taxable income is 60,000. So his tax bill ends up being 11,500 pounds, okay? You then, because the changes to section 24, you get your tax relief back on your interest income. So total tax bill, 10 and a half thousand pounds. Your take home is 44.5K, okay? The 
quick maths amongst you will have realised that gives you an effective marginal rate of tax of 60% on your property income. Not 40%, 60%. Yeah, that's a little higher than normal because I've made the interest rate so high. But yeah, generally now with Section 24 where it is, a higher rate taxpayer will lose about half of their property income to tax um, unless they do something about it. OK, so that's your starting situation. And then you go into a pension. So same employment income, uh, same rental income, except now you've made a pension contribution of 10 grand. Because, ten, because pension and contributions reduce your taxable income, you've now got a taxable income of 50,000, yeah, which means your starting tax bill is now only 7,500. Yeah. Government's still giving you tax relief on your mortgage interest payments of one, so your tax bill is now 6,500. The take home in your pocket is £38,500, but you've now got £10,000 sitting on your holistic balance sheet sitting in a pension. So holistically, you're better off, you just took 10,000 in a pension. Now, so essentially the decision you, you have to make is would you prefer five grand in your pocket now or 10 grand in your pension? Now, lots of people will go, well, that's a no brainer. We'd like 10 grand in our pension, but property people are different. Property people are thinking, no, they're thinking property is twice as good as a pension. I'm not giving you my money. I'm not having someone else manage it. I'm not giving up control of it until the age of 55. And actually, I can double my money faster in property than I can in a pension. So thank you very much. I'll take it. Yeah, which sounds great. It also has the added benefit if it means you can go out and buy more property, which means you get to brag at dinner parties that I own 15 vitalettes and, you know, you've still only got eight and all the rest of that kind of good stuff. And that all works to a point. Bragging's great and owning property is great, but not if it's actually costing you money. Right. So. Um, this is where Einstein's going to ruin all your fun. So compounding, eighth wonder of the world. So hopefully you all agree with me at this point that £10,000 of property income to a higher rate taxpayer is worth about £5,000 in their pocket. Okay. So in 20 years time, I don't know if anyone's got a view on what they think that 10, 20 years worth of £10,000 invested might be. Um, and I don't think anyone can unmute themselves to ask, so I'll just give you the answer. It's £378,000. Okay. Now, I think if everyone's familiar with the concept of compounding, it's, that's the reason that number is so big is because what happens is you get growth on growth on growth on growth. So essentially you get this ever increasing circle, um, hence the eighth wonder of the world. Relatively small incremental increases can, can reach these staggering numbers. Unfortunately, it also works in reverse. So something like a tax drag, is creating an ever decreasing circle. Yeah. So you're not actually comparing, a, and I've used the example here of 5% as a return um, to get to my 378. It's not the difference between 5% in a pension, 10% in your property. In order to get the same results, assuming a tax free investment growth of 5%, yeah, you're actually looking that you'd need to be getting something closer to 14%. Okay, so just from the income stream. Now, can you get 14% from a uh, property portfolio? Absolutely. Is it a slam dunk? Probably not. Is it without risk? Probably not. Will it take some of your effort? Probably, yeah. So all of a sudden, diverting a little bit of the income that you get from your property portfolio 
to a pension is starting to feel like a, you know, a, a good hedge, shall we say. Yeah. Um, so where does that leave you? Um, so essentially divert the income stream. Buy all the property you want to buy. Go out and buy it. Enjoy the wealth gain. Enjoy the income stream. If you don't need the money and you are investing for your pension, if you're investing for a legacy, if you're investing to pay off things, yeah, consider diverting the income stream into a tax efficient vehicle in a way so you can reach that objective more quickly. Okay. Um, the other thing you should know about pensions is they have changed. So I don't know, again, I don't really know how old everyone in the room is, but um, pensions freedoms came in and the, they've got a few other advantages now over property, one of the largest of which being flexibility, control and choices. So I think it's safe to say that property's probably biggest Achilles heel is that it's not liquid. Um, and pensions, given normal market conditions are by comparison incredibly liquid and they're accessible so you can you can dip in you can dip out you can access them kind of as you want to the other big thing about pensions which um you should really consider if you're a heavy property investor is diversity yeah so the old adages are always the good ones do not put all your eggs in one basket now we all know someone who's got rich on property doing exactly that and and quite in a kind of single focus only buying property and that's great, but I will still argue that like, they're probably the exception that um, uh, they're probably the exception that uh, proves the rule. Okay, um, so we've got liquidity um, and uh, yeah, and just concentration. So the thing about property is it's often concentrated in the UK. It's only one asset type. Diversify, 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 diversify. The last glorious thing about pensions is um, estate planning. So um, if I tell you that anything you put into your pension will sit outside of your estate for inheritance tax. So anyone who listed um, uh, legacy planning as, as one of their objectives, you might want to consider diverting some of your money into a pension which sits outside of your estate as opposed to buying yet another property, um, which we all know is taxed at 40%. Um, cool. Okay. So um, I don't know how much time I've got left. I'm just going to stop sharing a second. Ranjan, did you send me a note saying I've got about five minutes? Yeah. I wanted to make one little comment about mortgages, um, if I've got time. Just... About 10, actually, I think. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, well, this no, will only take five then. Five, yeah. Um, so I want to make one little comment about mortgages. So I often get clients come in and see me who um, say, well, you know, it's great. We've uh, we bought buy to let, but we don't need the income. And so we're going to use the income that comes in from our buy to let to pay off the mortgage. By the time we're 60, we'll have a glorious um, tax free income. Yeah. Uh, and at this point, I was cringe a little bit and then I take a deep breath. And then I try and explain the following. So hopefully you understand from the previous slides that the rental income that someone actually receives from £10,000 of rental income is five. Okay, So what they're using to pay off the mortgage is lots and lots of £5,000. Yeah. Alternatively, you could take the grossed up £10,000, put them in a pension, store them up there, and 20 years later, use those to pay off the mortgages. 
hopefully, and I've, I've already explained that those 10,000s be worth something in the region of 378,000 um, as an example, right? Hopefully you can see that using the 10,000s in a tax efficient way is gonna pay off your mortgage, uh, not just a little bit faster, but a heck of a lot faster um, than using the gross rental yield. Yeah, few reasons. One is obviously you've got 10 to start with instead of five, but the other with interest rates where they are at, at the most, you're, um, you're going to be looking at a saved pseudo return of between one and three percent. Yeah. So that's another really good example of where just thinking outside of silo property thinking can actually save you quite a lot of money. Yeah. Okay, I think for now that's done. Um, so I don't know, um, does anyone have any questions? Brandon, you might have to take people off, um, take everyone off mute. Yeah, um, yeah, so we have few questions um, came through before that. So uh, shall we start with that and uh, let people ask or raise your hands. If someone has questions, please, you can raise your hand and we can unmute you. You can do that. Okay, well, I've picked up a couple in the chat box. So, okay, so I should do a little disclaimer here. I am not an accountant. And a lot of these questions are um, specific, they're almost kind of accountancy based. So if I do a general disclaimer, which is, um, I'm not a qualified accountant. So none of the following advice should be taken as um, I don't know, something that you would act on, I guess. But some of these I can absolutely answer. So um, interest on mortgage relief, ended uh, two years ago. But just to be clear, you still get mortgage relief. You just get it at a flat rate of 20%. So before, if you earn 50 grand in rental income and your mortgage interest was 50 grand, your tax bill, your income would be zero, your tax bill would be zero. Now you get taxed on the gross 50 at your marginal rate. So if you're a higher rate taxpayer, 40%, and you get the relief on the other side at a flat rate of 20, yeah? Does that, so hopefully that answers that question, Sanjay? Yeah, okay. Um, there's, uh, that, that's all I've got in the chat box. So Ranjan, do you have any others? So Sanjay, cause I've just seen your follow-up email, uh, your follow-up chat. I'm not entirely sure I, answer, I understand your questions. So if you just give me, a, if you give Ranjan a minute and then I'll talk to you in person. Um, so here's one we prepared earlier. So somebody asked earlier um, about the refund in higher rate stamp, uh, stamp duty tax. And the question is about moving from a residential property to another residential property, but owning a buy-to-let in between. Um, so the answer is, your buy to, if you're trying to move from property to property, um, but uh, no, you, you sell your main house, but you've got a buy-to-let portfolio, Providing you go from residential to residential within three years, um, you're okay. Um, they, they will essentially disregard your buy-to-let property. So hopefully that answers that question. So we got, um, everyone's unmuted now. So just uh, probably. Brilliant. So Sanjay, sorry, I didn't understand the follow-up to your question. No worries. Uh, hi, Shina. Thanks for the wonderful presentation. It was, um, it was very helpful. Um, 
the question uh, was in the back of the answer you gave that 20 you get 20% relief on the uh, yeah, tw what was that 20% off the uh, the mortgage the interest paid so let's say um, Let's say you're getting a 10% yield. So let's say your property income is 10 grand and you're paying 1% interest. So your interest is 1,000. You'll pay, technically, your, your net income is 9,000 in my example. Yeah. Yep. You pay tax at your marginal rate on 10,000. So let's assume you're a high rate taxpayer. So you'll pay tax on 10,000 at 40%. Yeah. Yep. And then the government will give you. They call it mortgage interest or financing interest relief or something like that. Anyway, they'll give that to you at 20% on the 1,000. Yeah. So you'll pay a net of the two. Okay. Whereas before you would have just paid income tax on 9,000 pounds. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a huge game changer for higher rate taxpayers. And it's why a heck of a lot of people, I mean, I, I, I worked in the investment banking market for ages and it was pretty common that you get your, you get your bonus in every year and you, you know, you, you put it down as a deposit on your next buy to let. That was a fairly standard cycle. Um, when this started coming in, I mean, that pretty much stopped overnight. I mean, at, at the really bad end, lots of people exited the market and sold their investment properties. But at the very least, there's very few higher rate, additional rate taxpayers who can make property work outright anymore from an income perspective. Okay. Thank you, Sheena. Right. So anyone else um, have any questions, please go ahead. Okay, so another one that came in earlier was about rental income on buy-to-let property. Um, and can you transfer it between spouses? Um, the answer is yes, but only if you transfer the asset between spouses as well. Um, so if, for example, you own a, a property in its entirety, you can't just declare the income through your spouse because um, that wouldn't work. Um, but uh, what you can do is essentially gift half of the property to your spouse, which is perfectly fine because you're husband and wife, and then you could do something with it from that side. I think Viral's got his hand up, Ranjan. Yeah, is um... okay. I'm on mute now. Thank you, Ranjan. It's all right. Sorry about that. Yeah, please. No, no problem at all. Um, thank you very much for you know the last two questions were um, were from me actually. So really oh, helpful. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. Um, on on that last point, transferring properties to spouse is completely outside the purview of tax, right? Okay, that one I'm not going to answer because okay. it's not that straightforward. Um, it is not. You, you, you won't have to pay capital gains tax um, because you can transfer stuff between your wife, um, you and your wife. Um, but there will be other tax considerations. And that's a really good question to ask either your accountant or a conveyancing solicitor for an actual bulletproof answer to. Yeah. So I'm not being a very but I don't want to say things that you know, no problem. No, no. I was hoping to get some insight from you know other investors on this forum who would have, in their naive stage of investment, at some point would have gone through this journey. Yeah. Thank you for that, though. Thank you, Viral. Um, anyone else have got any questions? 
Would, uh, can I just ask uh, the, the presentation material that was shared here, is it possible to flick that over? Uh, I, no, I'll go with that, sorry. Um, just because I haven't, um, some of it belongs to SJP, I'm not entirely sure if I own the IP on it and, and essentially if it's copyrighted. So if you've got any specific questions or if you, any follow-ups, feel free to drop me a note. Um, I meant to put my contact details up. In fact, I'll pop them in the chat uh, and I can do that, but I'm, I'm not gonna circulate the presentation if that's okay. Understood, no problem, yeah. thank you. That's all right. Anyone else? Okay, in that case, um, I think, I've, I think I've actually managed to finish a presentation on time, Ranjan. Absolutely. And to be fair, if you speak to anyone else I've ever done a seminar at, they will um, they will be gobsmacked by that because timekeeping is not one of my strong points. So um, I'm going to take that as a win. Great stuff. Thank okay. you, Gina. Um, so I have a couple of questions for the audience, just super quickly before I go. Um, so I have various uh, newsletters that I send out on this subject and others. Um, and I know Ranjan has all of your um, contact details. So if it's okay, we'll send something out after the call. Essentially, if you're happy to be included on a distribution list, um, if you could essentially tick the relevant box, um, that would be great. And then separately, if anyone needs any help, um, with this subject further, I'm going to put my details in the chat box and basically feel free to give me a call. So, I mean, I know, you know, I think we can we, we can go over it. And really, we can talk hours on it. And one hour is very, very less. And also half an hour is nothing really on the subject. So I hope we will be able to do a longer session later on. Um, question answer. So I believe many of you may have questions. You can um, email us. Uh, so what just was saying, um, we will send an email with requesting your consent if you want to be part of uh, communication from either Sheena or ourselves. And we need to keep those emails for our GDPS, GDPR per, uh, requirements. So I'll pass that to Sheena as well. And uh, if your email ID is those of you wanted to touch, get in touch with Sheena. So um, before we just finish up, we have a um, WhatsApp and Telegram broadcast group for Nestino where we share our deals and property news and stuff. So. We will share that in our email and if you wish you can join them um also we would request you to suggest topics like um we have some planned topics in for uh next month so one of them could be income tax or accountants accountant tie accountancy type which is sheena just uh, mentioned so we can get someone of them who works with us uh, so uh, also feel free to suggest any topics like finding a property in general, any property investment questions like locations, um, whether to buy a house or a flat. So these kind of general questions, we have it every day. So feel free and suggest topics. We'll pick up them on a voting and then we'll put back the four following uh, sessions that we're going to organize. Um, and yes, send us to your queries to office at nestor.com. That's our office address. Um, visit our websites for more details and you could like our Facebook page for regular updates and things. 
So with that, I would like to thank everyone for joining in for Shina and everyone of you who participated today in the call. Um, those who are not able to join will probably share this video, but I would have a chat with Shina because um, this video has uh, the copyrighted materials from his, from our presentation. So I need to speak to Shina if we can share the video or not. Uh, if we can, we'll share, but if not, um, we'll see. You can fire up questions to us and we could answer with that. So yeah, I'll thank everyone and I will finish this session today and uh, see you on next webinar next month, probably on the same time, and we'll get in touch with you. Thank you so much. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Thank you for arranging uh, the session, Ranjan. Thank you, Shant Sanjay. Thanks. Be glad to Yes. Bye.